Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I'm your host. And this is the official first episode of the Watchdogs Bark. If you listen to my two-minute teaser, you already know today's topic is about why Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine at this time. So to find out where this all began, let's go back to 1989. Ronald Reagan is standing in front of the Berlin Wall in Berlin, and he says those famous lines, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That was my best Ronald Reagan. I hope you enjoyed it. This speech and this moment of time was considered a huge victory for freedom. Also a huge defeat for communism worldwide. And if you watched Vladimir Putin's 90-minute speech before he invaded Ukraine, he said that this was the worst defeat and humiliation in Russian history. So, at that time, he was like the head of the KGB. I don't know if he was the head, but he, I know he was in the KGB and had a high leadership position. So you know where his mindset was. He wanted the USSR to stay together. And uh, that didn't happen. Over the next few years, different countries broke off and formed independent countries. Well, in 1994, Bill Clinton headed up what was called the Budapest Accord. This was the United States and all of the NATO countries got together and basically asked Ukraine to give back all of the nuclear warheads to Russia. In exchange, the NATO countries would protect them. Well, that didn't work out very well. And can you imagine if Ukraine still had, I think at the time it was 5,000 nuclear warheads. If Ukraine still had 5,000 nuclear warheads, I highly doubt Vladimir Putin would have invaded. So let's fast forward to 2008. Barack Obama is elected in the United States of America. And in that same year, Russia invades Georgia. What did the U.S. and NATO do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Then about four years later, Barack Obama drew that red line in the sand for Assad. And that was in Syria. And at the time, uh, Russia had a lot of soldiers in Syria helping Assad. So that red line was that he was not to use chemical weapons on his own people. Well, we know that happened. Assad killed thousands. After that red line was crossed by Assad, what did the U.S. and NATO do? Nothing. Not a thing. Then, two years later, Russia invades and annexes Crimea. What did the U.S. and NATO do? Nothing. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, our administration sent blankets and MREs, meals ready to eat. Those are military meals, to the soldiers fighting in Ukraine in Crimea. How thoughtful. All right, now 2016. Donald Trump is elected. And after he's elected, he tells Vladimir Putin of his intention to destroy ISIS and the entire caliphate. And he says a lot of them are in Syria. 
And if the Russian soldiers get in the way in Syria, they will die. Putin doesn't believe him. And as a result, 300 Russian soldiers are killed. After that, Putin doesn't do anything else. As a matter of fact, Kim Jong-un doesn't launch any missiles. Even Xi Jinping of China doesn't make any moves. Nobody dared mess with Trump because he was unpredictable. And I believe always had the U.S. best interest in mind. You may disagree with that. And please, if you do, you're welcome to write me, drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. All right, fast forward four years to 2020. Joe Biden becomes the next president of the United States. Well, Vladimir Putin already knew Joe Biden. As a matter of fact, Joe Biden always said, I know Vladimir Putin. He and I have met on many occasions. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I met... I've known Vladimir Putin for, li for life. And uh, he and I have met on uh, many occasions. Yeah, that's it. Guess what? That's true. And because Vladimir Putin knows Joe Biden did nothing when Russia invaded Georgia, when that red line was crossed in Syria, and when Russia invaded and annexed Crimea. So he knows Joe Biden's not going to do a thing. Then, heaven help me, <laughs> Afghanistan. I, I don't even know where to start on this. Uh, let me tell you, in the beginning, I thought it was the most boneheaded, ridiculous, incompetent withdrawal that I've ever heard of. And I know a lot of the military leaders said that they told Biden that the safest way to evacuate the citizens from Afghanistan and our allies would be through the Bagram Air Base because it was a fortified, secure air base with two active runways. But no, Joe Biden closes the air base and chooses instead to evacuate people from the middle of a giant metropolitan area in the middle of Afghanistan with millions of people in a public airport and one active runway. Well, we saw what happened. It was a complete mess, a nightmare. Thirteen soldiers died in a terrorist attack. Also, I wanted to just say one thing really quickly. I don't know if you guys watched the video or not when those 13 soldiers were being unloaded off the C-130 and their caskets were being put into vans and trucks to go off to their different funerals. Joe Biden checked his watch after every single soldier came off that C-130. Every time a casket went by him, you can see him look down at his watch saying, like, how much longer is this going to take? Joe Biden feels no remorse at all for the 13 lives that were lost. It was just a cost of doing business. But let me tell you, I have done a lot of research and a lot of thinking about why 
Joe Biden chose to evacuate that way. And I know some people said that Donald Trump reduced the uh, amount of soldiers uh, manning that base to 2,500. And that's true because the Bagram Air Base was no longer really a military base. It was more of a intelligence base. It was a base where we supported the Afghan soldiers. As a matter of fact, it had been 18 months since anything had happened to a U.S. soldier in that area. Uh, if any uprising happened around the Middle East, we would just send out drones from that airbase and take care of it. So there really was no war, U.S. war, going on anymore. We were just there as a support for the Afghan army. But if you listen to the leader of the Taliban when Afghanistan was taken back over, he said that they admired and wanted to partner with a specific country. Can you remember which country that was? China. He said he wanted to partner with China. So now, guess who probably controls the Bagram Air Base with its secure and fortified two active runways? Oh, and let's not forget, $84 billion of U.S. military equipment. Tens of thousands of Humvees, missiles, helicopters, ammunition, guns. We left it all behind. And guess who probably is reverse engineering some of our technology right now? Mm -hmm. I believe Joseph Biden did this on purpose. I'll cover in a future episode all of the ways the Biden family is entangled with China and other countries, but mostly China. And now they control a fortified, secure airbase in the middle of the Middle East. I believe it was this time Vladimir Putin started to plan his invasion. He realized now was the perfect time because he realized Joe Biden wouldn't do anything and he was completely inept as a military leader. Enemies always attack when they sense weakness. Now, again, you may agree or disagree with this evaluation of mine. And if you do, please don't hesitate to write me, Drew at the watchdogsbark.com. That's Drew at the watchdogsbark.com. Okay, just a couple of quick comments on current events. The 11th of November was this week. And if you guys know what day that is, that is Veterans Day. It was Armistice Day uh, when the ending of World War II happened on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. And I want to personally thank everyone who has served. Thank you so much for your service. We are the land of the free because of the brave. So I want to thank every single soldier for their service. I didn't have a chance to serve in the military because I had medical issues that made it impossible for me to do so when I was younger. Of course, 
I was about 17 years old when Top Gun came out, and I wanted to be a Top Gun pilot. I had one Navy guy call me and say, hey, I wanted to invite you to come down to the recruiting office of the Navy. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally want to. And he's like, okay, great. Let me give you the address. And I said, let me save you some time. I said, I guess I'm considered 4F. And he's like, what does that mean? I said, well, I have asthma that's induced with uh, exercise and allergies and all that. And I have arthritis uh, really badly in one of my feet. And he goes, oh, well, hey, thanks so much for your time. Good luck. <laughs> Click. <laughs> okay, I want to say something really quickly about the so-called red wave that never happened. The Democrats have made so many changes in mostly swing states to election laws. I knew uh, it wasn't going to be gigantic because they have unconstitutionally changed laws in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, in Nevada, in Georgia, all these things. And if you don't believe me, actually, they bragged about it. <laughs> right after the 2020 election, there was an article in Time magazine where a group of individuals led by an attorney, Mark Elias, went around to these swing states and changed laws, voting laws, mostly because of COVID, using that as an excuse, and mass mailing votes to people, whatever address they had on record. Some people were getting two and three votes from previous roommates and stuff like that that they have lived in those residences. So there's no possibility for, you know, fraud there. But I knew this wasn't going to be a giant red wave. One other thing really quick about the elections. You know, Florida had 7.5 million registered voters. And they were able to count all the votes and announce the winners in about five hours. But Nevada, Arizona, and Alaska, they can't count their ballots in, what, a week? Something's definitely wrong. And by the way, uh, the newest news is that uh, Cortez Masto has just won the final seat in the Senate. Funny thing, the cameras in the counting room went down for eight hours. Huh. Adam Laxalt was ahead the entire process. And then cameras go down for eight hours. And suddenly, Cortez Masto squeaks out just enough of a win to take that final seat. So now the Democrats have their 50 seats again with Kamala Harris <laughs> as the deciding vote. So I can only assume that the Nevada Elections Office got their cameras from the same company the jail did in New York. You know, the cameras that were outside of Jeffrey Epstein's cell when he was suicide. I mean, when he committed suicide. Huh. Interesting. Republicans have to have control of at least the House. If the Democrats actually get control of the House and the Senate again, for the next two years, the constitutional republic that our founding fathers created will be gone. Completely. And that's what they really want. I mean, Democrats, you hear them say they're defending democracy. 
uh, so-and-so is a threat to democracy. You know, we're, we're, uh, democracy is on the ballot. Do you know what Democrats mean when they say democracy? One-party government. That's what they want. They want total control. They want all three branches of government to be under democratic control, and they want the Republican Party to sit down and shut up and never speak up again. I mean, why else would Democrats want to abolish the filibuster, get rid of the Electoral College, pack the Supreme Court, and make D.C. a state? You don't hear Republicans talking about dismantling all of the checks and balances that our founding fathers put in place to prevent a one-party, tyrannical government, do you? That's what Democrats mean when they say democracy. And then one last thing, uh, Joe Biden is in Egypt at a climate conference, and he talked about how he was sorry that uh, we backed out of the Paris Climate Accord and that we're back in. And he got an applause for that. I want you to understand something. The reason why Donald Trump removed us from the Paris Climate Accord, number one was the cost. And the brunt of the cost was going to fall on the U.S.'s shoulders. We were going to have to pay the lion's share of all of the climate change that was going to happen worldwide. And they gave China and India the classification as developing nations. So they, not until 2030, will be held accountable. Right now, China is building a new coal factory every week. And they are putting out far more pollution than we were. As a matter of fact, we, as the U.S., have clean-burning coal plants. We uh, manufacture and process and refine oil and gas and petroleum products cleaner than any country in the world. And yet, Joe Biden wants to rely on other countries around the world for their oil and gas, because we still need the oil and gas. 80% of our energy still comes from oil, gas, and coal. And we're even swearing off nuclear, which that should be the coup de grace of energy. It's green, it's long-term sustaining, and yet we don't hear anything about building nuclear plants around the country. So I personally believe that there's a lot of problems with the AGW theory, anthropogenic global warming, now called climate change. But I will address that topic in another podcast. All right. Now, I told you I will always end on a positive note. And I want to tell you something that I learned many, many years ago after attending Dr. Wayne Dyer's uh, seminar. I was a huge proponent, I said, of motivational speakers when I was younger. I used to go to all those seminars. And in one of his seminars, he said the following. What separates us from the animals is we choose how to react to every situation 
without exception. Now, of course, in the audience, a lot of people were murmuring around like, what do you mean? Everything? There's no way. People make me this, make me that. And he goes, uh-uh. Animals react without thinking. We, as human beings, have the ability to think before we act. So just to give you an example, no one can make you mad or angry or frustrated or offended. You choose to react that way. You can just as easily choose to be happy, uplifted, uh, full of joy, and with things that used to upset you or frustrate you, entertained. It takes some work. I'm not going to lie to you. It does take some work, especially since over the years, if you developed this habit of automatically knee-jerk reacting to everything without thinking, it is going to take some work but you can do it. That's what separates us from the animals. So my advice to you is you do have the choice in how to react. So choose wisely. And with that, I want to thank you so much for listening to this second episode. I hope you'll tune into the next one. The next one is going to be broken up in two episodes because there's so much to cover. What is happening in our schools? I'm going to break it up in what is happening K through 12 in one episode, and then what has happened and what is happening in our universities and colleges. So tune in next time. And until then, create an amazing day.